0: Hi, welcome to the Emotional Stuff Podcast, hosted by Dr. Marcus Motley, clinical psychologist and positive psychology coach. Here you'll get powerful stories, techniques, strategies, tips, and targeted recommendations on how to effectively deal with anger, sadness, grief, anxiety, jealousy, fear, and other minor, major, intensely difficult, and disempowering emotions. Listen to the Emotional Stuff podcast, read our blog, and begin to heal your hurt, manage your emotions, deal effectively with difficult people, handle stress better, and fully empower yourself to change and grow in the ways that you really want to. Dr. Motley helps you to remove the emotional chains that are shackling you.
1: This is Marcus Motley with another episode of the Emotional Stuff podcast. This is the show where we discuss the best tips, techniques, strategies, and how to deal with your emotional stuff. We recommend the best books you can read, videos you can watch, and tools that you can use to manage and then conquer your emotions. Sometimes we feature invited guests who will tell you their stories on how they dealt with their emotional challenges and what they suggest for you. And finally, and most importantly, we answer your questions when you ask them. So send your questions to com. That's M-P-O-W-E-R-M-E at hotmail.com. Go to our website at www.emotionalshtuff.com and you can listen to past episodes or read our blog articles. In this podcast, I will discuss conflict resolution in the context of emotional competence. So, let me ask you to pick any day this year. Pick any day from the last 20 years. Now look at the headlines and reflect. What do you see? Do you see any common themes? Do you notice anything that jumps out at you? Is there maybe one word that stands out among all others? I would suggest so. So, for example, military conflicts, family conflicts, religious conflicts, trade conflicts, person to person conflicts, in other words, interpersonal conflicts. The word conflicts stands out. It seems as though in our world, in today's world, there is conflict everywhere globally, regionally, locally, in our communities, in the office. And maybe even in our households, and for the most part, whether globally or locally, we don't seem to be doing a good job of managing conflicts, let alone resolving them. So I'd like to focus specifically not on the global conflicts, not even on the local conflicts. I'd like to focus on the interpersonal conflicts, particularly those that affect you personally. Why? Because I think that we have the wrong focus when we are trying to resolve person-to-person conflicts. And additionally, those interpersonal conflicts are often at the heart of some of those other larger types of conflicts like military conflicts and trade conflicts, etc. I will also, in this podcast, share a process based on three skills that I suggest you keep in mind as you move forward beyond today and as you consider how to deal with the interpersonal conflicts that you may be already involved in. In addition, I will also reveal to you a tiny but important key that I don't think anyone else might have told you or will tell you. And, to be sure, it is something on which you may disagree with me. But first, let me tell you a story. Several years ago, a young male supervisor got into an argument with a janitor because he thought that the janitor was doing a terrible job at cleaning the airline cargo office where they both worked. He thought that the janitor was sloppy and that the water he was using was dirty and stink. Now, this young supervisor liked to dress to impress with his heavily starched white shirt, nice tie, smartly creased trousers and well-shined shoes— And those were special shoes, too, because they had steel tips on the inside to protect his toes from falling cargo packages. Now, this heated verbal interaction took place in front of several customers, many of whom, well, let's just say that the supervisor wanted to impress them with his demeanor, his level of responsibility, his position, his articulateness, his muscular athletic figure, and, of course, his neat attire. Suddenly, in the heat of the discussion, the janitor picked up the the mop bucket and threw the black, dirty, foul-smelling water all over the supervisor. Before I go any further, let me give you a little background on the supervisor. He had been involved in sports his entire life. Soccer, cricket, track and field, bodybuilding, and martial arts, you know, kenpo, aikijutsu, judo, and... He also had a black belt in Shotokan. And back then when this incident happened, he was in the prime shape of his life, even trying to break coconuts with his head, taking his sugarcane stalks and beating his feet and arms to toughen them. So now as he looked down at his soaked and dirty shirt and soiled pants, and he smelled the stench of the water as it dripped from his face... He felt a surge of anger and fury. Plus, as he looked back at the audience, the onlookers, the customers in the office, he not only felt enraged, but he was deeply embarrassed. He quickly stepped back and to the side. In microseconds, he quickly assessed the janitor and the situation, and instantly he knew exactly what he was going to do. The janitor was taller than he was. The janitor had an Adam's apple that stuck out of his throat. That's where the supervisor was going to hit him with a knuckle strike, then grab his neck and bring his head down to meet his rising knee, and then sweep him to the floor and stomp on the back of his neck. And then maybe he would add a kicked to the ribs with his steel tip shoes, just for good measure. Now, these were a series of moves that he had practiced and simulated hundreds of times in the dojo. And as he got ready to begin to make his move, he froze. Because he heard his martial arts sensei, his instructor, saying in his ear, I am teaching you to fight. To hurt, to harm, to inflict pain and injury, serious injury, so that you don't have to. That had never made any sense to the young supervisor. You see, when he was young, he was uh, fat, and he had been bullied by other boys. And so he had started learning martial arts so that he could defend himself. And he was not going to be bullied by anybody and so that statement by his sensei never made sense to him until that moment you see the janitor's life was in his hands literally he looked at the crowd of onlookers he looked at the janitor from head to toe and then he turned quickly and walked away to the parking lot jumped in his car, went home, got rid of his dirty clothes, showered, dressed, and came right back to work. The guy was gone, suspended by the manager, and as he walked into the office, no one said a thing, which was miraculous, based on the kinds of ribbings and trash-talking that normally went on in the office with his colleagues. And for the supervisor, those feelings of anger and fury and embarrassment that he had felt— had been fleeting. The hormonal reactions and thoughts of vengeance that had flooded him in that moment had come instantaneously. But he had let them go almost as quickly as they had come. And in so doing, he had surprised himself. He had shocked himself, as a matter of fact. How about you? How about you? Have you ever been in a situation like this? And how did you handle it? And as you reflect on that now, and as you think about it, are you happy with the way you handled that situation in your past? What about on your job? What about at home? In your community? What kinds of conflict situations are you exposed to now? Why do I ask? Because I'm guessing that on a daily basis, you may not face situations or moments as emotionally raw and intense as this one, but I'm sure that you have and will continue to face small moments of frustration, irritation, anger, disappointment, disagreement, moments that could lead to some level of conflict. Hopefully, these moments of conflict don't escalate. The question really is, How do you handle those moments? And after listening to this podcast, what will you do differently, if anything? Well, I have a few suggestions. You see, the first skill you need when faced with conflict is to put your emotions under your conscious control. So skill number one is to get your emotions under your conscious control. Yes, I know what you might be saying. You might be saying that, well, that's easier said than done. And I agree. You are absolutely correct. It's easier said than done. But that's what our supervisor did. He felt the rush of those strong feelings of intense rage and fury. But but he took a deep breath as he had practiced many times. Then he put his feelings under his control like he had practiced many times. Then he stepped back. But what happened? And why did he walk away? How could he walk away from something like that? Well, You see, those hundreds of hours on his knuckles, each time doing more push-ups than he thought he could, each time he was forced to face and then control his feelings of wanting to give up, he was forced to put aside the physical pain in his knuckles, and even more importantly, he was forced to face and deal with the internal conflicts. In other words, he was asking himself, do I get up because of the pain in my knuckles? But if I get up, I will have embarrassed myself in front of my colleagues, my fellow students. And how do I face the disappointment in my teacher's eyes? But, can I really do three more push-ups? Maybe five? Maybe seven? Can I do the twenty that he's asking me to do? And is it Really worth it? Is all of this really worth it? Is all of this hard training worth it? You see, those hours and hours of standing still with knees bent at almost 90 degrees with a bandana wrapped around his eyes, those hours also forced him to come face to face with himself and confront those inner conflicts. Do I stand up and ease the pressure off my leg muscles and my knees? But if I do that, do I risk the embarrassment, the feelings of failure? Or should I stay just a little longer so that I can strengthen my muscles for the next time? Can I handle that? Is it worth it to go through this? For our young supervisor, those hours and hours and hours of forced discipline had gradually morphed into physical self-discipline. And physical self-discipline had gradually morphed into emotional self-discipline. And so, he had gradually learned skill number two. And what is that? To behave differently from how he felt. To challenge his feelings and not let them drive and determine his behavior and his actions. And so as he looked at the janitor, and at the same time he knew those people were watching, expecting him to retaliate. He expected to retaliate. He wanted to retaliate. He was about to retaliate. But was it worth it? Was it worth it to retaliate? You see, there was something else. Back then in his country. They enforced the death penalty, death by hanging. And in those fleeting milliseconds when he knew that the janitor was lying at his feet and as that desire for vengeance rose up in him, the picture of the rope rose up before him, hanging, waiting. And so yes, in those milliseconds he looked into the future and he walked away from the janitor, And he also walked away from the possibility of prison, or worse, that rope. He knew what he didn't want. He didn't want a life behind bars. And in so doing, he identified what he did want, a life of freedom to live his dreams. And so he looked forward and decided what he wanted most. He looked beyond the moment to the mid-term and then to the long-term and made his decision that is skill number three look forward know the short-term want the vengeance but also compare it with the long-term want decide what you really want particularly in the long run so skill number three look forward and decide what you want. So the three skills are, one, get your emotions under your conscious control. Two, behave differently from how you feel. And three, look forward and decide what you really want. One, get your emotions under your conscious control. Two, behave differently from how you feel. Three, look forward and decide what you really want. So how do you get good at a skill? so that you are ready when you need it most. You know why I'm asking that? Because I know that some of you listening might be saying, well, those skills are good to have, but it's easier said than done. Well, everybody knows how you develop a skill. You practice. You practice your skill in order to be ready for when the moment comes. See, our supervisor was ready even though he didn't know that then. And he had not thought about his years of training as emotional self-control training. Push-ups were designed to make his knuckles harder. Well, well, you know, that's what he thought. But his sensei, his teacher, his instructor, was really teaching him emotional self-control, emotional self-discipline. So in the context of preparing to resolve conflicts, what do you practice? Well, you practice physical restraint, verbal restraint, relationship restraint, cognitive restraint, but first and foremost, you practice emotional restraint. The next question is, how do you practice? Well, just like you practice anything. In soccer, you practice through scrimmages. In baseball, they send you to the minor leagues before you get to play in the major leagues. So what are some of these minors or scrimmages that you can use to practice? What are some of these smaller events that you can use to practice? Well, every day, maybe many times per day, opportunities to practice show up. For example, when someone cuts you off in traffic or when your coworker annoys you or when your boss critiques or criticizes you in public, or when you're irritated about something your spouse or close family member said or did, or when your child comes home and tells you that they were being bullied at school. All of those are opportunities to do your push-ups. Anything that pushes your buttons, anything like that, presents opportunities to practice managing your emotions. And then... After you have your emotions under control, you can use conflict resolution strategies that you might learn in a workshop or from reading a book on that subject. And there's something else, something that many of you may not agree with, and you probably may not hear anywhere else. And many experts in the field of conflict resolution will probably disagree with me. You know, early on I said that I think that many of us have the wrong focus when we try to resolve conflicts in which we are involved. We focus on the why of the conflict. We focus on the issues involved in the conflict. We get into the weeds of the conflict. You know, who was wrong and who was right and who did what first and who did what second, etc. You see, I think that when resolving a conflict, my focus should first be on me. When resolving a conflict... I don't depend on the other person's behavior. I don't depend on their perspectives. I don't depend on their commitment or contribution to the dynamic. Those can help and are good to have. But primarily, my skills are key. I am key. How I perform is key. My mood, my ability to control my mood is key. And my emotional competence is key. My emotional self-control is key. Everything revolves around that and resolves because of that. When I have my emotions under control, then my other skills become crucial. You know, my thinking and decision-making skills, my communication skills, including verbal and nonverbal, my negotiation skills, my interpersonal skills, then those take center stage but their success depend on my maintaining my emotional self-control. So you can learn as many tips and techniques and strategies on how to resolve conflicts as you want. And when you do, I want you to keep a couple of things front and center in your mind. Number one, at the onset of a conflict situation, get your emotions under your conscious control. Number two, Behave differently from how you feel. And three, step back and look into the near, midterm, and then distant future and decide on what you really want and then follow through with the appropriate action. And to do those three things, you need to practice. And please remember that you are the crucial agent in resolving any conflict. You are at center stage in the resolution of the conflict. And so I recommend that when it comes to resolving conflicts, you must be at the top of your game, your emotional game, just like I was 47 years ago when the janitor poured that dirty, stinking, black water over my crisp, starched, white shirt and nicely pleated pants. And of course on my well-shined shoes, those shoes with the steel tips in their toes. In today's session, we focus on the topic of conflict resolution and emotional competence. I hope that you found value and that you received tips that you can use. Please share the links to this podcast with your friends and family, and specifically anyone who you think would be interested in listening.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Emotional Stuff Podcast, hosted by Dr. Marcus Motley. Listen, if you need private, personalized information, techniques, or strategies that are designed specifically to help you or a friend or a loved one, then please contact Dr. Motley at hotmail.com. That's M-P-O-W-E-R-M-E at hotmail.com or go to the website at emotionalstuff.com, emotional, S-H-T-U-F-F dot and leave a private comment or make a specific confidential request. Remember, you can always contact Dr. Motley for private and confidential coaching and counseling assistance.